0: All right, so uh, what's it going to be today? Whenever I get this stuff out, you guys are always wondering, what's it going to be today? Well, hey, I wanted to welcome all of our guests. If you're here for the very first time, I want to tell you, welcome, we're so glad you're here. And I really hope that today can help you take things to another level in your relationships and most of all in your relationship with God. And uh, I just want to give a shout-out to our, our music ministry. Don't they do a, a tremendous job? You know, Some days I I need a little extra to get ready, and and I appreciate the way they help me and they help all of us to get ready. Uh, We're right in the middle of a series called Promises, Promises, and uh, we talked about this last week and how promises have lost their value in our world today. And uh, We talked about that last week, and I'm going to do a quick review, but if you'd like to go back and watch uh, part one or watch again part two, you can go to our website, and, and they're all there, and uh, soon, coming soon is our YouTube channel, and you can watch uh, our past messages without commercials, uh, and you can email them and send them in messages and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, so what we talked about last week was, was this, promises. We all move in the direction of promises we believe. You could just go back and trace uh, uh, your whole life and see you moved in the direction of promises or things that you thought were going to come true in your life, whether it be a career, a relationship, and then you moved away from promises that didn't come true, right, or that didn't, weren't realized. And so all of us, we move in the directions of promises we believe in, and but one of the problems is, as we go along, and we talked about this uh, last week too, is when we go down this trail of believing promises, following promises that we believe there's some that are broken. And we talked about this last week broken promises of the past make it hard to trust promises in the future. And so what happens with a lot of us is we go through life, and there's been promises that have been broken. And so what it does is it affects our relationships, and most of all, it affects our faith. And it affects our faith in God, because if you've seen nothing but broken promises or a lot of broken promises in your life, is it easy for you to trust in the future? Is it easy for you to be a trusting person in relationships in the future when somebody says to you, I promise, right? No, you're gonna, no, I, I wanna, forget about the pinky promise sign here. I want it in writing. I, I need a little more. I need it notarized. And see, that's how some of us are in our lives. We've had so many things happen in our lives with broken promises that we're, we're scarred people. We're very distrusting people. And it's huge. It's so important in our lives because it's going to be really hard for you to trust in the future. So last week we talked about this, and it's kind of what I ask you to do is go back and look at your your past. Look at your past. Look at the broken promises of your past and understand you've got to settle those. You've got to get resolved with those broken promises so that you can settle them and forgive and let it go and say, I want to start over and trust in the future and not be scarred by those broken promises the past so today we're gonna look at two things two things one of the things you know everybody in here knows I'm almost sure of it that you know it and if you don't know it don't feel bad you know if you're not very familiar with the Bible and you've not read the Bible a lot don't worry we're not gonna call on you I don't think okay to ask you anything about the Bible it's okay I remember when I first came to church I didn't know a whole lot about the Bible and I wasn't, you know, and they'd say, turn to this passage, and I had no idea. You know, so I handed the guy who invited me to church the Bible Says, said, show me. You know, but we're not going to do that today. But you're probably going to know this. You're probably going to know this. Second thing is, to make you feel at ease if this is your first time, most Christians don't know what we're going to talk about today. So the first thing, no-brainer. Second thing, most Christians, I, I think most people in this room, don't know what we're going to talk about today. So you ready? Ready. Then let's jump in. All right. So the first thing I'm going to tell you is God's promise. And you know this. Everybody knows this. God promises to love you unconditionally, right? He promises to love you unconditionally. How do you know that? Everybody knows that. How do you know that? Because you see it where? In sporting events, right? You see it and it comes from this passage and and this is the most popular verse in the Bible most quoted most used most publicized verse in the Bible John 3 16 it says for God so loved the world that he gave his 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 one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life God promises us eternal unconditional love you knew that right see if you go to sporting events You see it right there, John 3.16, right? Did you guys see it in the World Cup? I saw it in the World Cup. Okay, I saw it a couple of times in the World Cup, you know, and thousands, hundreds of thousands, or tens of thousands, they say it was 130,000 people in the Maracanã, huge stadium. But of all those people, I saw a sign that said John 3.16. Did you see it? And on ball games, baseball games, you know, there used to be this guy who'd stand behind home plate on, I don't know how he got to all these games, but he was always there. And he had that sign, right? Baseball games. He would be there. Uh, and and, and on, on sporting events. But let's say you don't, uh, you don't go to sporting events. You'll see it in other places. Billboards, even here in Los Angeles, right? You'll see it. God loves you. And you see it, Right? let's say you don't go to sporting events and you don't drive on the freeway in here in los angeles which is highly unlikely but let's just say you don't probably somebody at work has this mug sitting on their desk right and they put it right there in front so everybody sees it everybody knows it's a message to everybody and maybe your grandmother told you maybe you were brought up and you knew this god loves you unconditionally right here's the problem If this is true, and it is, how come it's not more relevant in our lives? How come there's no connection between this and the way you live your life? Like you're grounded in that. You know this. When you face a crisis in your life, you know this, so you don't have to worry. Is that the way we live our lives? See, there's a huge gap, huge gap between what we know and what we live and what's realized in our lives and our hearts. We go on, you know, and and some of the problem is we, we see God's love with a catch, right? This is one church sign that says, if you really love God and he really loves you, then give him your money. And that's the way we think, you know, obviously there's a catch. God loves me, but he wants something from me. And I want you to understand that is not the case. That is not the message that he's trying to communicate. That may be a message that somebody in a church somewhere is trying to communicate, but that's not what God is trying to communicate. All right, so, you know, I know this message, but I, I, it just feels general. It feels like John three sixteen is for everybody. I need something more personal. I need something for me. Because it's not, I don't feel that. I feel like, oh yeah, God loves the whole world and sent his son to die for all of us, but uh me, what if when you wake up in the morning and you had your coffee, you saw this? A personal message from God. I love you. Kind of corny, isn't it? But just, you know, that's what I feel like I need. I need God to tell me. He's told the world, but he hasn't told me. I need him to tell me this message, okay? Or or maybe this one. You know, you open your Bible, and you're having your quiet time, and all of a sudden, a ray of light comes through the window, and and it comes in just perfectly, so there's this this heart-shaped light right as you're having your time, your devotional time, and you're reading your Bible. Wouldn't that be cool, right? Some of us want that. Or maybe you're going through it just in a horrific time in your lives and it's just cloudy, it's dark. I got one more, okay? It's corny, but just hang on. You just, you look up and you go, man, it's just so bad. My life is so bad. It's going so terrible right now. I need a sign, God. And you go outside and you yell out to the sky, the dark, cloudy sky, and you yell out to God, I need a sign. And you look up and you see this. Wouldn't that be awesome, right? And some of us, some of us here today, you, you feel like you need that. You need a personal message from God. And so, hopefully, today you can understand something that most Christians don't understand about God. That will help you because all of us face this question. And here's the second part that most Christians don't know. And it's this question right here. Why does God love you? You know that God does love you, and he loves you unconditionally. That's a given. That's everywhere. Everybody knows that. But do you know why? And I know some of you are saying, I know why God doesn't love me. I know why God shouldn't love me. And there's days I go, I go through days like that, just like you, And I go, I know know there's a reason why God shouldn't love me. But do you know why God does love you? And some of you can answer real quick. Oh, yeah, I know why God loves me. Because I'm a good Christian. And I'm here at church, right? And I'm a good husband, or I'm a good wife, I'm a good father, I'm a good mother. I'm a good person. Of course God loves me. That's why God loves me. Because... me and who I am. And I would just say, be very, very careful with that because that can change from day to day. Isn't it true that we go through a lot of ups and downs in our lives? One day you feel, oh yeah, I'm God's best friend. Me and God, we're like this. And then you go through the hard times when there's no blessings, you know, when that big paycheck comes in the, hey, there's God's blessing right here. He loves me. I'm his favorite. Okay, and you can tell, but there's other days when it's not like that. But we're going to really look at this question today and ask it. Why does God love you? And it's a very, very important question because if you have the right answer to this question, it will define your relationship with him, and it will define You being able to trust him when you go through forks in the road and you have to make a decision, which way do I go? Do I go to the right? My friends, my career, people are offering me all this, but God is calling me in this direction, a completely different direction. Can I trust him? Can I trust them? And some of us have been down this road over here, right? We went down this road with our friends and, and tr- trusting in money and our career. And how did that go? A lot of broken promises. But all of us are going to reach these forks in the road where we're going to have to decide what would it be like the next time you face a fork in the road and you look at this option, which way do I go? To where you could 100% know and trust that God loves you And you can absolutely go in that that direction with him. You don't have to hesitate. You don't have to second guess it because you know if I go in this direction, it means unconditional love. And you know why he loves you. And so today we're going to look at a passage that really defines why God loves us. And I may not know you, maybe you and I have never met, but I can tell you with certainty, certainty that God loves you. I don't know your background. I don't know your situation. But what if I could tell you with certainty, absolute 100% certainty that God loves you? And I don't care what kind of week you've had this week, if you knew that. And so let's look at the passage we're going to go to 1 John. It's not the Gospel of John. We're going to go to 1 John. So turn on your Bible or open your Bible. Highly recommend it. It will be on the screen. But, you know, get, get, get familiar. Open your, your Bible. And, and we're going to look at 1 John. And it's Revelation, a couple of books back. End of the Bible, a couple of books back. Turn left. All right. So you ready? 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to begin in verse 7. And look what John says here. He says, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. The origin of love is God. And so how should it reflect in our relationships? We should have loving relationships, right? If we're associated with God, if we're close to God, if we have a relationship with God, this should describe our relationships, shouldn't it? That's what John is trying to say. This isn't why he loves us yet. We don't have the answer yet. But this is just a description. Where does love come from? And then he goes on, verse 7 and 8, the rest of it. Everyone who loves is born of God or has their origin in God or have, has been coming from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. That's strong words right there, isn't it? So what's a description of having a relationship with God? Love, right? And some of you are going, well, why are we talking about love? The guys are in the room going, why are we talking about love? Let's talk about some man stuff. Just wait. You'll get your chance. Love is important in your life. You don't realize it, but it is. Where, where does love come from? And, and if you have a relationship with God, if God knows you and you know God, then there should be this characteristic of love in your relationships, Right? But what if there's stormy relationships in your home? Is God there? According to what John is saying, mm, he's absent. There needs to be a greater connection, okay, between you and God, because wherever God is, there's love. Okay, so he's not answered the question of why yet. All right, so you ready? Here we go. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Do you want to know why God loves you? Because it's his nature to love. That's who he is. For a lot of us, love is a verb, right? 1 Corinthians 13, love is kind, love is patient. We love that verse. But it's a verb. God loves like no one else. There's no one like God. Because for most people, love is a verb. But for God, he is a noun. Love is a noun. It describes him. It is a perfect description of who God is. So if you draw near to God, what are you going to draw near to? Love. And if you don't feel that, if you're not experiencing that, then you don't know God, you don't understand God. And therefore, that relationship's going to be off-kelter. And the problem is with a lot of us is we've looked for love in all the wrong places. And we want to define God based on the list of categories or based on the list of descriptions that we've had in the past. You know, personal relationships, uh, maybe a romantic relationships, and we try to put God in all those categories, a family relationship, father-son, father-daughter. You know, we try to fit God and put him in those categories. That's not who God is. That's, there is no one, there is no description like God here among us. He is so distinct, so different in the way he loves us. God can't help but love you. And so if you draw near to God and you entrust your life to God, you're entrusting your life to who? Or to what? Love. And this is huge because if you're going to give God your life and you're going to trust his promises, then obviously... You've got to know what you're getting close to, right? Now, in the 1960s, I'm going to give you a little illustration of this, of who God is. In the 1960s, there was this guy who was a starting quarterback for Louisiana Tech University. And he was an incredible athlete, but he was very different than everybody else. You know, people felt like he was a little strange, but he was an incredible athlete. And his name was Phil Robertson. Some of you may, may name, name sound familiar. And and there was another guy who played on his team, Phil's team, and his name was Terry Bradshaw. How many know who Terry Bradshaw? Probably more familiar name, right? Terry Bradshaw was a Hall of Fame, four-time Super Bowl ring wearer. Okay. He's still on TV because of his incredible career in football. Played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. A dynasty. Okay? But guess what? Terry Bradshaw played behind Phil Robertson. Phil Robertson was the starting quarterback. And Terry Bradshaw couldn't keep up. He sat the bench behind phil robertson and it's interesting terry bradshaw wrote a book called it's only a game and this is what he said about phil robertson okay so you get an idea of who who phil is he said the quarterback playing ahead of me phil robertson loved hunting more than he loved football He'd come to practice directly from the woods, squirrel tails hanging out of his pockets, duck feathers on his clothes. Clearly, he was a fine shot. So nobody, no one complained too much. (laughs) Everybody on the team knew this about Phil, and Phil gave up his last scholarship year and the promise of an NFL career playing football professionally at that level. And everybody on the team agreed this guy could have gone real far. He walked away from it all before his senior year. Do you know why? Because he wanted to hunt more than he wanted to play football. You go, that's crazy, man. All the money, all the fame, all the glamour. See, hunting was more important. Let me show you a picture of who Phil is today, and then you're going to know who he is. There he is. He created, because he loved hunting so much, he created a duck call that is the best, and it's a multi-million dollar empire of hunting equipment, clothes, you name it, and he did incredibly well as a hunter, the, I believe, the wealthiest hunter in the world, (laughs) because he loved it. Terry Bradshaw went on to create a dynasty in the Pittsburgh Steelers and Phil Robertson also created a dynasty <laughs> called the Duck Dynasty. And you go, wait a minute. What what in the world does Phil Robertson have to do with God's love? I mean, I'm completely <laughs> appalled, offended. Hey, listen, I'm not a Phil Robertson fan. I'm just trying to make a point. And what is the point? You could not force Phil Robertson to play football when his nature was to be a hunter. It didn't fit. You see, you couldn't force him. All the money in the world, all the fame, all the glamour, everything that the the world was offering, he said, no, I can't do that because I have to play and I have to live what I love and what's my passion. My nature is to hunt. And see, how does that tie in with what we're talking about? We can know what to expect when, when, from God when we draw near to him because it's his nature. He can't help but love you. It's his nature. If you get close to him, it's the same principle. He's going to love you. In fact... Do you know why God created you? God created you to love you. And that's not just a general message. That is a personal message. God created all of us with the intent for a relationship. Just like, you know, most parents They have children for what reason? To have a relationship with that child. They want to experience that relationship, that love. They want to exchange love back and forth. And so for you, some of us are like, I don't know if I can get close to God. I feel so ashamed. I feel like I've done things that haven't deserved God's love. See, it's not about that. See, it's not about you. It's about who God is. See, there's nothing, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. See, for some of us, we're like, uh oh, that doesn't make sense. I just don't like that. Typically from a religious background, we don't get that. No, no, you have to do things so that God, because, see, the reason why we have trouble with that is because in our relationships with people, what happens? How do we treat other people? If you do what I want, I'll love you more. If you do what I don't want and don't like, guess what? I'll love you less. And we stiff-arm, and we think God's like that. I got news for you, God is not like that. That is not who he is. And so you've you've got to disconnect some of your misconceptions about God like we talked about last week. We basically preconceive who God is. And we want to put our view of God on God when in reality you need to throw all that out. That's not how God is. See, God loves us deeply. God's love is based on his nature, not our behavior. God's love is based on his nature not on our behavior. And you say, well, you know, I guess that means I can do whatever I want and God's still going to love me. No, that's kind of describing how you're loving him back. And again, where is the relevance? If this is true, where is the relevance of this in our daily lives? If somebody loved you that much, what, how would that describe your relationship? What effect would that have on the way that you live? Wouldn't you want to live towards that relationship? Into that relationship? Wouldn't you want to modify your behavior to reciprocate that love? That love is strong, it's faithful, it's solid, it's not moving. But wouldn't you want to reciprocate it? But if you don't reciprocate it, what's that to say about the disconnect? It's huge. And I think some of you have to do an honest evaluation of your relationship with God based on how you live your life. Because if this is true, there should be a reflection, should there not. So let's go back. This is a a verse in Jeremiah 31 as a description of who God is. The prophet Jeremiah said, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Is there an end to God's love? No, there's not. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. This is who God is. Do you know this God? And if it is everlasting and is unfailing, how come, how come you and I are so up and down? You and I. Because I got days too. And if you're so up and down, how can you trust God when he gives you a promise and you live out that promise? Maybe that's the reason why some of us are living the lives that we live. That's why we treat our relationship with God and our relationship with people very up and down. Guess what? If we became more like God, what would that do for our relationships in marriage and family and friendships? In dating relationships, what would that do for our relationships if we were more like God? Wouldn't that stabilize things at home? Wouldn't that form better relationships? We could trust because we know it's solid. God cannot love you more or less because he loves regardless. Regardless, he loves you. Do you know that? If you go out here today and do incredible things, amazing things, serve the poor and do everything right to a T, God's not going to love you anymore because of what you did. And if you mess up and really make a mess, hurt people, hurt yourself, is God going to stop loving you? He's going to love you less. He can't. You see, he can't do that because it goes against his nature. And I believe a lot of us need, and me included, we need to get to know God a lot better. And I want to encourage you to get to know God a lot better. We, we do these things called quiet times or devotional times in the morning, and, and, and we read God's Word. Why? Why do we do that? And this is for our members, but some of them, you guys don't do that. You don't, you don't spend a lot of time reading your, your Bibles because I'm busy. I was up late last night. The reason you're busy is because you're more interested in those those imitations of God's love, falsified, artificial love, than you are in the 100% pure, genuine love that never fails. See, because when I was a college student, I knew there was a huge disconnect between the religion that I was brought up in Form of Christianity. I knew there was a huge disconnect. I said, there's a lot of stuff here that I don't get. And I don't think it's of God. So I started to, you know, I started to think, I got to read this for myself. I got to know what God says. I got to know what his heart is. I want to know God. I don't want to have somebody telling me, you know, who God is from some other avenue or some other. I want to know him. I want a relationship with God, me, as a college student. And then I started reading and I said, man, all this stuff that I was brought up in, it's not in here. And I figured it out. You know why they put a lot of that stuff in? To modify people's behavior. And God shakes his head. That's not me. That's artificial me. So back to 1 John chapter 4. So How do I know? How how can I be 100% certain God loves me? Here it is. John shows us how we can be certain. This is how God showed his love. You ready? Among us, he sent his son, his one and only son, into the world that we might live through him. How do you know God loved? What, what, What did God do to demonstrate his love? In Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to look at it. It says this. The Son is the radiance of God and the exact representation of his being. Basically, what this verse is saying, when God showed us how much he loved, he sent, who did he send? He sent his Son. Who is his Son? His Son is his exact representation. So in order for God to show us how much he loved us, you know what he did? He sent himself. He sent himself to die for us. An extension, an exact representation of himself. Who does that? Who does that? Who loves you like that? And so many of us, even in the church, we are chasing fake love. We are chasing conditional love. We are chasing an illusion instead of grounding ourselves here. And if you're a guest here today, I want you to know this. God is going to love you and has loved you more, better than anyone else ever will. No one loves like him. And I'm certain of it. Why? Because he gave his son. God saved us for the same reason he created us. He created us to love us. And he saved us to love us. See, he knew you were going astray. He knows you're going astray now. And he's trying to bring you back. And the only way he saw to bring you back is give himself up for you. That's how much he loves you. This is love, verse 10. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, God loved first. First and he'll love last, and he'll love all the way through. The question is, are you gonna reciprocate this love? See, he's promised this to you. He's given you this promise, he has poured it out, he has, he's laid it out there in front of you and said, I love you this much, who loves like me? Will you love me back? Will you reciprocate this love? And I want to encourage you, you know, if this is kind of like, you know, uh, I got a lot of questions. Hey, you've got to resolve those questions. But please don't make excuses. Don't beat around the bush. Well, if God's love and what about this, what about that? Hey, 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 you, you don't understand most of the carnage in our world today is not anything, has nothing to do with God. That's us. That's what we do. Whatever hurt has happened in your life, whatever carnage, whatever just crazy, awful evil is out there. There's nothing to do with God and his love. That's us. And he loved us enough to let us go. And boy, what a risk it is to let people go and let them decide for themselves, I will love them this much, will they reciprocate my love? God loves you like no one else because God himself is like no one else. You cannot compare him. Oh, well, he's like my boyfriend. No, he's not like your boyfriend. He's not like your father. He's not like your granddad. He is like no one else. There was no one like God. There never will be. And if you want to know God, how can you know him? See, he sent an exact description of how he loves and how would a God interact with people. If I want to see God, who do I need to look to? The Son, Jesus. And that's exactly what God would do. How did Jesus walk this earth? Have you really studied it out? I mean, I spent so much time in the Gospels when I first started reading the Bible, I just said, man, I want to know Jesus because that verse that we saw, Hebrews 1, it says, He's the exact representation. He is God walking the earth. And what He would do, God would do. Carbon copy. And so I wanted to know who is Jesus. And so I would read books about Jesus to understand him more, commentaries about Jesus, to understand the history and the why and the what. So inspiring. And even as I've come along as a minister in the church, I've realized, man, our church is not enough like Jesus. We say we're the lighthouse church of Christ. But when somebody walks in those doors, do they feel Christ's love? Or do they feel it's just another church? And that's up to us. Will we reciprocate? Will we we, you know, they, if, if we get a, a teen, a guest teen that comes into our teen ministry, how's he going to feel? Is it just like school? Oh, you got this group over here, and you got this group over here, and you got this group over here. I'm picking on you guys. But we got the same problem in the adults. You got to break down those barriers. Jesus had no barriers. He's like no one else. So get to know him and get rid of some of your other stuff. From the past. You know, I feel uh, it wouldn't be right for me to leave you with Duck Dynasty as the uh, comparison. <laughs> so I'm going to give you another illustration. There's things in, in our life that are orange-ish, right? orange ish, right? Oranges are incredible because oranges, there's no word that rhymes with orange in the English language. Oranges are incredibly unique. But there are things in our world that are orange-ish. Let me give you an example. This, this is a Fanta orange soda, okay? It's very orange, as you can see, right? Very orange. It says here on the front, 100% natural flavors. Okay? It says it right here. Uh, It has a, a sliced orange on the front right here. Guess what? If you look at the ingredients, there is not one speck of orange in this. Not one speck, not a drop of orange in this drink. They call it orange soda. It's an imitation. It's artificial. It's fake. There's no orange in it. Okay? We move on. Uh, you go into the supermarket and you look in the uh, in the refrigerated section of orange juice. And guess what you're going to find in that refrigerated section of orange juice? You're going to find this. Sunny D <laughs> says here 100 percent, 100 percent daily of vitamin C. Oh, it has sliced oranges on the front. Also, look at look at this. There are sliced oranges here. There's no orange in that. You you don't have to refrigerate this. It's in the refrigerated section next to orange juice. And I'm sorry, don't sue me because I'm I'm not, my goal here is not to bash these products, okay? That's not my goal here. I'm trying to make a point. There's no orange in this. It looks like it. Some of you may think it's orange. It's not orange. There's no orange in it. I'm not done yet. All right, here's another one. It says orange on it. Orange glow. It's a floor cleaner. Don't drink or eat this. Okay? Don't do that. I didn't tell you to do that. Just all liability. But it says it has the power of orange. Okay? To clean your floors and clean whatever it is. There's no orange in that, not any. Then we got to get to this. I love this. Love this. This is called Orange Bang. They have it in the taco shops. And here is a free plug for Juan Pollo. They have their Juan Pollo. It's called Orange Bang. Man, it is so good. It's whipped. And you drink it and you're just going, man, this is so good there must be orange in here, right? And you look at, let me just try a little bit. Ah, so good. Guess what? I looked online, and they say there is 100% fruit, or not 100%, they say there's a percentage of fruit juice in it. No description whatsoever. No percentages, no breakdown. What does that tell me? Very little. Very little. What else have I got here? I got these. Okay? These are orange. They're called circus peanuts. They're not peanuts. They look like they're marshmallows, but they're not marshmallows either. In fact, I don't know what they are. It says they're delicious. I've never eaten one, and I never will eat one. But if you want one, see me afterwards. Okay, this, this, I don't know what that is. All right, so, if you want to know, if you want to know what orange is, you got to go right to the source. Okay, you got to go right to this. And if you want to know what an orange looks like on the inside, you open it up. And have you ever wondered when you open up an orange, have you ever wondered, and I've got to be very careful because food is not allowed in here. No, shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> so when you open an orange, do you ever wonder, do you ever wonder what's inside? You know, you know exactly what's inside. You can smell it as soon as you start to open it. And it is, it is, I love oranges. I was raised on oranges. You know, in Florida, when you, when you grow up, they give you oranges when you're still in diapers. <laughs> slip you an orange. And when you, when you break apart an orange, and you, you look at an orange, what do you get? It's 100% genuine orange when you draw near to God, you get love. 100% love. So what's the point? Some of you have been basing your relationships, your life pursuits on this, on this, on this, on this. And you know, this may have a percentage, a very small percentage of orange. Even in church. You can be wrapping your life around church and still miss it because you don't have a personal relationship with God. You're all about the stuff that goes on around the outside. there's one thing I want to encourage you to do today is pursue your own relationship with God your very own, so you can know him for yourself and that you don't have to wait till Sunday to hear a message about who he is and what he feels about you. And we're going to wrap it up here with this, this verse. I feel so strongly because I, I feel like some of you are very disconnected from God. How do I know? Isn't it obvious? I mean, go to your home life and it's It's a mess fighting all the time, you're not close, there's not the forgiveness, there's not the forgiveness that God would bring because you're still holding a grudge against each other, kids with their parents, parents with their kids, even friendships. You're how your quality of your friendships, are you really close? Do you really have any friendships? And you got to think about that. See, God, God wants you to know who he is. He wants you to have some of this. And stop filling your life with imitations and substitutes. Well, I, just, I just need a man. Before you get a man, you need God. Because a man will never, a man will never fill your heart like God. Some of you are trying to substitute a relationship with a man or a woman. I need a wife. I need a wife. If I get a wife, then I'll be set. I need money. I need a job. I need a career. I need, I need a house. I need, I need something. And you think everything's going to come together if you can have that something. And those things are important. We need food, right? We need to live. But they're never going to fill your heart. And they're never going to complete your life the way God is. How do I know that? If you know this, and all of you in the future are going to face a fork in the road, you're going to have to choose because maybe this week you're going to have to choose. You're going to get an offer from somebody, friends, money, career, whatever. They're going to, they're going to offer you and say, hey, come here because you will get. And God's going to say, don't go there because that's going to, that's going to call you to compromise. You're going to have to lie, cheat, manipulate, in some of your relationships, you are compromising what God has asked you to do. And you're basically, by saying that, yeah, God, I know you want me to go this direction, but I want this relationship so bad, I want this, I want this. And down here is a broken promise. A lot of them. Over here is 100%. Love. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy all the time, because it is a challenge. So let's wrap it up. This is love. How can we know with certainty that we can trust God in his promises? When you, when you hear a promise from, from his word, from his, the scriptures, how can you know with absolute certainty he's going to come through? Because of this. This is love, not that we loved, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins Amen. how can I know God is going to come through with his promises if I, if I choose him over a relationship how can I know it's going to end okay if I choose him over a promotion how will I know he'll come through because of this because he has guaranteed that he loves you it may not be easy but you can move in the direction of this, can't you? See, I've decided at a very early age, I'm going to wrap my whole life around this. I'm going to wrap my family. I'm going to wrap my money. I'm going to wrap my time. I'm going to wrap my relationships. everything's going to be wrapped around this. Why? Because God is a promise keeper, not a promise breaker. Do you want to wrap your life around promise breakers? And it's not just God. It's also people that follow God. It's the whole package. It's it's being a part of a fellowship. It's living a life of righteousness. So we're going to pray now for the communion. And we take communion each week to remember what Jesus did for us, to remember this, that Jesus loves us and God loves us this much. Pray with me if you would. Oh, Father God in heaven, we thank you so much for your nature. Thank you that you're 100% love. Thank you that when we move close to you, uh, we move close to love. Thank you for Jesus. We lift up Jesus now and his, his sacrifice on the cross. We pray that today you will help us, God, to move in your direction. No matter where we've been, God, I pray for our friends that are here, the guests that are here. I pray that they will move in your direction, God, and give you a chance. And they will be honest with themselves about the broken promises. Thank you for being a promise keeper, God. Thank you for Jesus and his body and his blood that were shed for us to guarantee us that you love us and you will come through whenever we need you. And Father, the truth is we need you always. Bless our lives. Bless this communion. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.